Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is recorded in Acts chapter 13, beginning at verse 38. Dear friends in Christ, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Ever have someone come and tell you that? Or, hey, I've got some good news. That's even better. Or some say, I got some good news and some bad news. Whatever the case may be, we're going to be responding in one way or another, whether it's positive news or negative news. If it's good news, it gives us a lot of joy. And if it's not so good news, that yeah, maybe we don't like it and we may not want to even accept it. Or we may not even like the person that's bringing that news to us. Of course, you know the saying, don't shoot the messenger. You don't want to get angry and upset and want to punish someone who's simply delivering a message. Whether it's bad news or undesirable. As we read through the Bible, we find that there are many instances of God using prophets to tell the people what God wanted them to know. And it wasn't always good news. As a matter of fact, oftentimes the prophets were not looked upon favorably and they were persecuted and all they were doing was just telling them what God wanted them to hear. But we know that God had a reason for telling people what he wanted them to hear and it really has to do with getting to heaven because he tells us how to get to heaven. But if people don't believe it, they're not going to get there. And if people keep on sinning and going against God's word, and don't seek forgiveness, and they're not sorry for their sins, God's not going to be happy with that either. And of course, there are times where, where we don't always like to hear the, that news that we're sinful, and, and our sinful nature kind of bristles at the idea when somebody tells us we're doing something wrong. And yet, if it's for our good, if it's to help us to get to heaven, then we ought to be happy to hear that news so that we can have a change of heart and repent. When we look at Paul, who was originally Saul, he was one of those persecutors of the church. And like many other Jews, he didn't accept Jesus as the true Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. But once Jesus set him straight on the road to Damascus, then he became a very ardent and staunch defender of Jesus. And then, of course, he himself was persecuted by those that did not want to bring or did not want to believe and those that could not bring themselves to believe that Jesus truly was the Messiah. And our text is one of those instances. It begins, So, gentlemen, brothers, let it be known to you that through this Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you also forgiveness from everything from which you could not be justified through the law of Moses. St. Paul was on one of his missionary journeys. He was in the, the city of Antioch, Pisidian Antioch, and there were a number of Jews living there, a lot of Gentiles, and those Gentiles had heard about this Jesus guy, and they wanted to know more about it. Some of the Jews, they were willing to share that information with them, and when St. Paul came and set up a missionary station there, he went into detail about this Jesus. 
And he said, you know, back there in Jerusalem, those religious leaders, they couldn't believe that Jesus was truly the Messiah. And so they trumped up charges saying he was guilty of pretending to be God, guilty of going against the government and Caesar, and they coerced Pilate into crucifying him. And that was wrong. Well, you can imagine some of those Jews that still didn't believe Jesus as a Savior. That didn't make them too happy. But at the same time, you think about the people that did hear that, and they wondered, okay, so what was the result? What was the end result of all of that? And St. Paul would say, your sins are forgiven. St. Paul wasn't afraid to tell it like it is. And of course, some of those Jews, they, they really didn't think they needed the Savior because all they had to do is be obedient to the laws of Moses. And that's what St. Paul referred to. They thought, well, I just got to do the best that I can. The Pharisees were great at that. They'd say, well, I'm going to make up these rules according to what I believe God says, and I'll obey them. And, and all the rest of you people, you better work at doing the best that you can, but you'll never reach a status that we have. Well... When we learn about a lot of different religions and cults in our world today that have that mentality that you got to do something to be saved, you got to make God happy, we learn that a lot of those people aren't all that happy. That they find that as much as they try to be obedient, they can't do it. And it ends up they're just trying, but it's not helping them. Because as St. James wrote, in fact, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles at one point has become guilty of breaking all of it. And so how many people are dismayed at the fact that I've tried and I've tried and tried and their, their hearts are just burdened because they don't know what to do. They're, they can't be sure that they're going to be in heaven one day because they're just miserable sinners and, and they think they've got to do something. Well, people like St. Paul have to get that message out that there is a Savior, a Savior who saved us from all of our sins, and as a result, we will be in heaven one day. There can only be true relief when we know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. The message must be heard. St. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians, But we preach Christ crucified which is offensive to Jews and foolishness to Greeks, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. We preach Christ crucified because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's a powerful message because it's one that's going to be heard and give joy to those who believe. In our text, when the Gentiles heard this, they were rejoicing and praising the word of the Lord. All who had been appointed for eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being carried through the whole region. The people heard. They believed that message. The Holy Spirit put faith into their hearts to, to accept the fact that their sins were completely, totally forgiven, and not because of what they could or could not do, but because of what Jesus did for them. And all God asks in return is believe. When the disciples were removed from the jail at Philippi, 
and the jailer asked, what do I have to do to be saved? They said, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And when that message is heard, that can only bring us joy. Think about it, that you know your sins are forgiven. You know that it doesn't matter what you've done, God will forgive you and you believe that you'll be in heaven. That's joy in our hearts. We look at what happened on Pentecost, how 5,000 people heard the message that the disciples were preaching and came to faith. Later in the book of Acts, we learned that there were a lot of people who came to faith, and it even mentions that there's just too many to count. And we look at our text, and we see the Gentiles jumping up and down with joy because they had sort of been left out of the equation of salvation by the Jews. As we heard last Sunday, that though the Jews thought they were the chosen ones exclusively, Peter learned from God that God doesn't show favoritism and that all should not be left out from being forgiven. And that's why we share the message. We want people to hear. We want people to know the way to heaven and that it's only through Jesus. And so we have these people listening to Paul and Barnabas and the Holy Spirit is working in their hearts and they want more. It says as Paul and Barnabas were leaving, the people kept begging them to speak again on this same subject on the next Sabbath. When the meeting of the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. Sometimes that's hard to believe. That many people came to faith and wanted to hear almost the whole city? Imagine if even half of the city of Grand Junction were at our doorstep wanting to hear that true, pure message of the gospel. Might be that even half of the city of Grand Junction doesn't even know Jesus or, or even care. And while we're pretty sure that what happened at Pisidian Antioch probably won't happen here, that shouldn't stop us from still reaching out with that wonderful message, the message that needs to be heard. And so we need to find ways. We need to find ways to get that message out. This week I'll be attending a Wells Leadership Conference and a couple of the breakout groups deal with how to reach out through various means, especially social media and other ways. And whether it be the church or you as an individual, you want to look for ways in which you can reach out and get that message out to people so that those who are not able to be here or not here sitting in a pew may also hear that wonderful message. We just need to capitalize on the opportunities because the message must be heard. So how are we going to do that? How can we fill other hearts with joy that we have in knowing Jesus with forgiveness? God will bless us as we look for ways to do that. And this joy is going to extend all over the world. As our text states, for this is what the Lord has instructed us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Not only do we have the joy of knowing Jesus and the forgiveness of sins, but we can have the joy of reaching out to others and helping them to know the way to, to the Bible and to Jesus as well. 
And remember what Jesus said. He said, in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Oh, what joy there is when we can reach even one individual that will come to faith and share that joy. But with all news, it's not always good news for everybody. There will be those who do not see the value of what Jesus did for them, his sacrifice. And Paul has a warning in our text. So watch out that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, be amazed and perish, for I am going to do something in your days, something you will never know, believe, even if someone were to explain it to you. No doubt there's going to be people out there that they won't be happy with anything that people do that's good. And if someone does something that is good, we want to be able to say, yes, that's a good thing. And we also want to realize that a person may do everything right, and yet someone's going to find something wrong with it. In our Christian faith, it happens all the time. We live our lives as Christians. We do what God wants us to do, and, and people will ridicule us. They'll call us do-gooders. We can point someone's sin out to them, and all they have to say is, look who's calling the kettle black. And it makes it hard to witness, doesn't it? It's when the devil makes us afraid to get the message out, and then it stalls. When we think about what God wants us to do, we realize how important it is. Because Jesus says he is the only way to heaven. And if we don't get that message out, people aren't going to know. But there will be times where we will do our best and it's just not going to produce any fruit. Jesus told his disciples when they went out on missionary journeys that if people didn't listen to them, that they were to shake the dust off their feet and go on to the next town. The message, yes, it's going to be heard to the displeasure of others. Think about the atheists who are so adamant and vehement about eradicating God's word from the public. As been mentioned in Bible studies in the past by members, you wonder, if they don't believe in God, then why do they do all that they can to discredit Christianity and those who believe? And of course, one conclusion is that, well, maybe deep down, They've got that natural law written in their hearts, and it does bother them. The natural law is to bother them. That's what God wants it to do. And, of course, then you think about those people in other countries, those terrorists that they hide behind their radical religions. They don't like Christians, and so they just behead them. They believe in that the Bible and Jesus, they're just not real people, and, and they're not the ones that can save them. Well... It's going to happen. People are not going to be happy with God. They're not going to believe. And, and if we tell them the message, it's going to make them angry. But that's going to happen until the end of time. The devil is not going to let up his desire to steal souls from God. He'll continue to stifle the message any way he can. The more people he can convince to not tell others about Jesus, the better chance he has to keep people out of heaven. So let not that thought enter our minds that we can't reach out. Don't think that people, everybody, is going to not like us because of what we preach. The word will work. The Holy Spirit will do its work. 
through us. So don't let that deter us from making sure the message is heard. The Holy Spirit will continue to be our motivator, and we will get that word out into the public realm and let all hear and be affected by it. Good news, bad news, depends on how you want to take it. The good news is what we want to share. It is the only message that must be heard that will bring true joy to people's hearts. We'll use whatever means we have to make sure that message gets out. As we heard in the gospel lesson, John the Baptist said, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's the message that brings joy, and that's the message we will continue to promote. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith.